When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, it was sort of spine tingling. It was um, it was amazing to see Hayden back in the role of Anakin. It was, it was just odd. It was oddly, it was like time hadn't happened or something. I look over at him. He's Anakin now. I'm Obi-Wan now. And it's like nothing had happened. Like I didn't see any age on his face. I just felt like the period of time between episode three and now just hadn't, didn't exist or something. It was so peculiar. Welcome to the first episode of the Dagobah Dispatch EW's new Star Wars podcast, where every day is life day. There used to be another EW Star Wars podcast a few years back, so you may see some of those episodes in our feed from like 2019. But this is a brand new weekly show where we will obsess over all things Star Wars and have some guests visiting us from a galaxy far, far away. Guests like, oh, I don't know, Ewan McGregor? who will be on today's show uh, as we will play you part of my interview with Obi-Wan Kenobi himself. So stick around for that. After we get all up and into EW's top 100 Star Wars characters ever list, so much to debate and discuss on that one and debate and discuss we shall. I'm Dalton Ross of Entertainment Weekly, and no way am I doing this thing Han Solo. I am joined on this voyage by two other humongous nerds. First off, Devin Kogan is here. What's going on, Devin? Hello. Happy to join us on this on this journey and be a co-pilot for this exciting new adventure. We also have Chopper superfan Lauren Morgan is here as well. What's going on, Lauren? <laughs> hey, I'm I'm doing good. How are y'all doing? We're doing. You know, Chopper superfan is, I think, an apt title for me. Well, it's sort of appropriate. We're all we're in three different states right now. I'm in New York. Lauren's in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Devin's in, out in California. It's kind of like we're all in the both inner and outer rim uh, as we do this. Look, it's exciting to do this. We're going to be doing this every week, which will be tons of fun. And obviously, we'll have lots to get into with things like Obi Wan Kenobi premiering soon, but also just general Star Wars talk and life, which is a great way to start with our first episode because we just put out this big list last week of the top 100 Star Wars characters ever. We expected some dissent uh, from the fan base because there always is, Yep. but it was tons of fun to put together. It was like seven of us that worked hard on this and came up with the ranking and then wrote it all up. And you can Easily find it on the internets. Uh, just you know, search Star Wars Top 100 Characters and there it will be. What we're going to do is today is we're going to get into sort of, uh, we're not going to read the entire list <laughs> of all 100, but we will sort of count down the top 10. We're going to talk about who we selected, number one, and why. And then we're going to each talk about, had this not been a group list, had this been an individual list we were doing, who are some people we thought that you know maybe were a little too high or maybe we would have liked to have seen a little bit higher? But before we get that's where the arguments are gonna take place, by the way. That's where that's where the lightsabers are coming out. All right. So before we do that, let's let's get into the top 10 and let's talk about numero uno. So here it is from 10 to 1. This is who we had as the top 10 Star Wars characters ever. Number 10 was Lando Calrissian. 
That scoundrel. Number nine was Chewbacca. Number eight, Ahsoka Tano. Number seven, Luke Skywalker. Number six was Rey. Number five was Obi-Wan Kenobi. Number four, Han Solo. Number three, Yoda. Number two was Darth Vader slash Anakin Skywalker. And number one was Princess Leia Organa. And there was obviously a lot of talk about who should be number one. Grogu. Uh, yes. So, so there you go. Lauren uh, <laughs> is a big Grogu fan, among others. Mm-hmm. I argued for another character who we can maybe get into in a minute. But Devin, Devin won the day uh, with her suggestion of Leia Organa, which did get a lot of support from Lauren Morgan, among others in the room. Mm-hmm. So Devin, what, let's just start with number one. Why Princess Leia? Well, I think I successfully bullied everyone into into picking this one as number one. No, no, I think I think this was one when we were talking about, you know, we we all had a lot of, you know, different personal sort of choices. But I think, you know, when it came down to number one, you know, we wanted to pick somebody who we felt really represented this entire saga as a whole, you know, someone who really got at what what makes Star Wars magical and why people have connected with this story since 1977. And the character that kept coming up and the one that we kept talking about was was Leia. She's been such a major player throughout this, you know, pretty much the entire saga, either her or her direct ancestors. And there's just something really extraordinary about her, both as the way she's written and obviously Carrie Fisher's incredible performance. We talked a lot about how a lot of the characters in Star Wars are built on these archetypes. You know, you have the farm boy, the scoundrel, the wizard, the evil emperor. And to an extent, you know, Leia sort of starts as just another archetype. She's the damsel in distress, the princess that has to be rescued. But thanks to Carrie Fisher and and thanks to where her story goes, she's so much more than that. And she really, she gets to be a little bit of everything. You know, she's funny. She's brash. She's a military commander. She falls in love. She becomes a mother. There's just so much fun and thoughtful depth to who she is that she's just, she's iconic. You know, you see the space buns and you immediately know who she is. She's a character that has really affected pop culture in a way that few other people have. So I think that's why, again, there's, so we'll get into it and there's so many great people on this list, but I think ultimately when it came down to it, Leia is number one because she's the perfect mix of, you know, iconic, but also having this like wonderful humanity to her. And you joke about bullying everyone, and you totally didn't. I think uh, you brought it up, and you presented a strong argument, and there was a lot of agreement. And Lauren, actually, I think, pretty quickly agreed with you. Lauren, uh, why uh, were you cool with Leia at number one? Outside of my joke about Grogu, who is, I, you know, I love him so much, but, you know, I realized he wasn't going to be number one. But uh, I think originally I had uh, Anakin and Darth Vader as number one, because, I mean, obviously, so iconic. But, you know, when you really were starting to think about it, and I remember just as a young girl, you know, my mother was pregnant with me when New Hope came out and Leia was like everything for me as a child and just seeing her like rescue herself. I remember there's that shot of her in Empire Strikes Back on Hoth where she's just basically like the only woman there and just ordering around all the rebellion pilots and just telling them how the escape is going to happen. And like no one gave her any guff. She was just she was the leader and everyone accepted it. As soon as like Devin, we kind of mentioned that, you know, she should be number one. It was kind of like, yes, of course she should be, because it's like, you know, Darth Vader is obviously a villain and Anakin. This really is his entire story. But Leia is so iconic because she was kind of like the first of her kind where it's like later on, there were like lots of female heroes on screen. But she was really just sort of the first 
who was just sort of so take charge. And, and I always just liked the fact that she was not always super nice to everybody around her. She was kind of mean to like Han, but she was just like, take charge. And she didn't really care about being liked. She was just like, I got to get stuff done. And so, you know, it didn't hurt the romance because uh, he liked the chase. But I just like the fact that she was just, I'm here. I got a job to do. Get out of my way, you scruffy looking nerf herder. And it felt like once we kind of talked about Leia as being number one, there wasn't really anyone else who was, I think, going to push her out of the way. All right. So let me get this straight. I started off arguing that Darth Vader should be number one. Lauren was in my camp, in my corner, <laughs> yet somehow got persuaded by it. the all too eloquent Devin Kogan. A little and bit I of a Jedi Lauren. mind trick. A little I bit guess of a Jedi. so. Yeah. I guess so. But it's funny because my whole reason why I thought that Darth slash Anakin Number one, you mentioned that Leia is so iconic. And to me, uh, Vader is arguably the most iconic character in the history of pop culture. You know, not just yeah. not just Star Wars, just anything, you know, whether it's the look, whether it's the sound, whether it's the line, you know, as I mentioned, I'm I'm your father, whatever metric you want to use, there's Darth Vader. And it's also interesting. Because I guess the argument against Darth and Anakin, or at least one of them, would be like, uh, yeah, you know, I don't know, the prequels, like, you know, he's yelling yippee, and maybe it's not as strong. Yeah. But Lauren Morgan, aficionado of Star <laughs> Wars animation, will tell you that the Anakin backstory in the Clone Wars makes the character that much deeper and makes his, as I wrote, his fall from grace that much more depressing, yet still. She was won over by Devin's argument. I'm really reeling from this now. I'm not feeling good about it. Well, I mean, you know, I will say, admittedly, when I did watch the prequels, I thought Anakin was kind of a whiny punk. And it really was later on when I watched The Clone Wars and I saw what Matt Lanter did with Anakin that I was like, oh, you know. And it's funny because, like, I think when you watch The Clone Wars, you realize how much Leia is like Anakin, which you don't really get at the movies, the original trilogy. It's really, like, kind of about Luke and his father. But Leia is really like a smart ass like he is. There's so much of him that you see in the Clone Wars where you're like, oh, I see where she gets a lot of this from. But I still trade positions, though, I, you know, from, from I feel like like so. traitor. I'm about to attack you. with <laughs> yes, that. Traitor. Okay. Yes, uh, yes. The I should mention, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the only other character we that even got really any really significant talk at number one was Yoda, right? Who ended up being number three. That was another yeah. one we talked about. That's another example of taking sort of the, an archetype that is so iconic, you know, sort of the wizened, you know, Jedi master and and just taking it in such a delightful and, and unexpected direction. And, and, you know, I mean, Yoda is, Yoda rules. I mean, there's a reason, you know, like his legacy looms large and, and you know, the amount of soul that Frank Oz can imbue into a, a literal Muppet is is pretty extraordinary. But again, looking at this top 10, you know, we we had a hard time, you know, figuring out, I mean, there were dozens of contenders that that you could have made top 10. When we were first talking about 100 characters, are we going to have 100 characters? And we had, you know, dozens that we had to leave off. I think that's a testament yeah. to the the diversity and the the delight of, of Star Wars as, you know, universe is that there's, there's a lot of good options. There's a lot of really great characters. There's a lot of animated characters. Here she goes. The, Here she goes. You, you open that door, <laughs> I'm still Devin. Mad about. That's on oh, you, no, Devin. I'm still mad about. <laughs> That's on you. Justice for Zeb. Uh, the, the last <laughs> thing I, I just was to say about Yoda and why Yoda, I think, also would have been a good pick is that there's certain people like my wife who really doesn't care at all about Star Wars. When we first started dating, 
at this point, there are only three movies out. She had never seen any of them. So I literally made her on like my stupid futon that was on my floor with like cat litter all over it. <laughs> um, made her oh, sit in three nights, watch the first three movies. I was like, I can't date you until you watch these movies. So she really doesn't care. But she loves Yoda, right? Like Yoda has that thing that like even people that aren't into Star Wars love Yoda um, and really sort of transcends that. Listen, we start talking about the list at large. So let's do that. This was a group effort. Like I said, this was a democracy and there were seven of us that decided, but you know, so we don't all agree necessarily with the placement of everything on the list. So let's talk about what was too high and what was too low. Lord knows the others have have told us what was too high and what was too low, but we have our opinions as well. So Devin, let's start with you. If you looked at this list, top 100, and I do encourage everyone to go check it out on EW.com. Who's maybe one or two or three of the characters that you think, you know what, if this were my list and my list alone, this wouldn't be as high? Would not be as high. Okay. So we'll start with, you know, there's a couple names on here. I think probably when I was looking at this list and I was trying to figure out, okay, who do I think is too high? Admiral Piet, you know, is one of those names that we talked a lot about some of the great imperial officers from from the original trilogy. And like, again, he rules. We love him. He's an Empire Strikes Back. But he's one of those ones where I had to be like, okay, wait, which one is which one is Admiral Piet? Sometimes some of those imperial officers get a little... And, and I pride myself on knowing, you know, the obscure names of, you know, like I can, I'll, you know, I know Wilro Hood's name. I, I know all of my, you know, um, obscure Star Wars characters. A lot of people may not know that the Rancor Keeper is named Malakili which uh, I think he's perfectly placed and we love him and we're glad he's on the list. I honestly did not know Salacious B. Crumb was named Salacious B. Crumb until I saw him oh. <laughs> on the list. I was like, oh, that, that thing. We love we love Salacious B. Crumb. Up there with Elon Sleazebag, yeah. you know, is some of the greatest Star Wars names of all time. But yeah, when, he, when that Admiral Piet was, I think, the one that I was uh, was a little bit like, eh, you know, maybe, maybe he doesn't. But again... We we have a lot of um, it, that was one of the fun things about debating this list is you know Christian Holub our colleague was like we have to have Admiral Piet he no was, he was the Veers guy oh he, he wanted was the Veers. Veers guy oh he was the see, Veers there you go I get him confused <laughs> <laughs> Veers was the dude for those listening Veers was the dude on Hoth who was like in the AT-AT or whatever and yeah. then uh, Piet was the one who like watches his superior choke in front of him and then he gets the job and then like you're worried at the end of the movie he's gonna get choked out by Vader. Yeah, Admiral Ozel is the one who gets right. who gets choked. Um, but again, they're they're kind of you know, I mean, and they all have great moments. But you know, when you're thinking about iconic characters, Lauren, who else was too high on this list? Okay, so this is probably going to be controversial, but this is a minor adjustment. But I think uh, Luke and Ahsoka should be above Ray. So that's basically knocking. I think Ray's at six, so I would probably knock her to where Ahsoka is, and then move Luke and Ahsoka up because I think. Just both of them, I think their entire arcs are much stronger than Rey's wound up being. And I'm talking mostly about Rise of Skywalker, which I tried to knock out of my personal canon because it drives me insane. But I feel like Rey's story was interesting between Force Awakens and Last Jedi. And honestly, if you would ask me after Last Jedi, she was one of my favorite characters. But then Rise of Skywalker, I was like... Ray Palpatine just makes me so mad. And then Ray Skywalker also makes me just so mad. So I would probably uh, knock Ray down a few and then uh, move Luke and uh, Ahsoka up. It's funny because uh, let's just say it, blame it on me. I'm the Ray fan. I'm the Ray fan in the room. We can say it. I mean, she is my daughter's favorite character, so I felt bad knocking her down, but like, I'm still- <laughs> I don't know. Like, you know, it's like to me, and we'll get into this in a minute with, mm-hmm. with some of the other stuff, but like to me, 
she's not the problem character wise with that movie. And obviously yeah. if you want to talk about the lineage that they gave her, but like they didn't completely mishandle her character. I felt unlike the way they mismanaged some other characters, which we'll get into in a minute, but I guess it's just a matter of how much that movie just hurts anyone associated with it. If that's how you feel. I mean, and not to say anything against Daisy Ridley. I love her. I want her to get all the hearts and flowers and gigantic parts. You know, she's great. It was just more of the writing for Ray in that movie that I had a problem with. But mostly, if they had just removed Ray, Ray Palpatine and Ray Skywalker out of it, I probably wouldn't have it such, well, let, let, such an Well, let's issue. get right into it, actually, because now I think about it. We had Rose at 24 and we had Finn at 35, two mm -hmm. other characters that were completely, and I would argue in a much bigger way, done a disservice by oh, that yeah. last movie. I would, I would totally agree I, with well, you. I, I don't even know if Rose is in the movie. Like, is she even in the movie? No, she's basically she's, barely. She's in it for like a minute and a half, which I also think is the another huge crime about that movie. And, and, but. And, and they said, well, you know, we had all this other stuff with her and Leia and ended up on the cutting room floor or whatever. Yeah, and then Finn, they, they, they start all these threads like... And then just leave them like completely dangling. Wait, is he force sensitive? Is he not? Do we care? Mm -hmm. Like, so those are two characters that we loved. I went back and watched Force Awakens recently. And Finn is such a great character in that movie. I, I think I love his storyline. I love his humor. Boyega is so good in that role. And they just then, you know, they ended up wasting him. And then, you know, as Rose Tico, we know she's like mentioned she's not even in it. So it's tough because as a ranking, it's like we love where the characters started, but then they mm -hmm. were either completely abandoned or done dirty. So like how low should we put them? I was really I think we were all a little, you know, didn't know, quite know how to handle that. Yeah, I was I was trying to put my uh, own personal feelings about Rise of Skywalker aside because in my in my personal rankings, like a lot of the sequel trilogy characters wound up getting probably much lower than they should have been. Um, but yeah, I was trying to put that, like, you know, trying to remember like more of them in the force awakens and last Jedi and that kind of stuff. What about you, Devin? Like what well, Devin, what do you think about how we handled all these characters in terms of Skywalker? I think we're all kind of in agreement on, you know, the fact that we, we really love where a lot of these characters started and we love the potential and we love the performances that a lot of these actors gave. But like you said, you know, a, a story isn't just a beginning. It's also it's, it's end. And, and, you know, that's one of the things that's so heartbreaking is because you can see the potential for some of these characters um, and you can see, you know, how, how great they were and to leave those threads sort of unexplored or unfinished, you know, Finn was one of my absolute favorite parts of Force Awakens. You know, I, I think John Boyega is so charming. That's such a great idea. The idea of, you know, the, the rebel stormtrooper and the idea that he might be force sensitive is such a cool idea. And I thought John Boyega played it perfectly, but to just leave those threads kind of unfinished is, is kind of frustrating. Um, but honestly though, that's something that's, you know, we talked about this with Anakin, you know, we, how do you compare Darth Vader to, you know, the little pod racing, you know, child from, from Phantom Menace, you know, there, there's Star Wars has always sort of been about inconsistencies. Um, mm -hmm. So that's something that's one of the things that's so, so hard about trying to rank some of these characters is that, you know, they'll be great in one story and then one, you know, maybe they take more of a, a background role. So it's, that was, that was one of the tricky things about putting together this list was thinking about things holistically. Yeah. So I, I've got a few things. I mean, I'm pretty petty. So <laughs> I I know what's coming. I know what you're about to say. Well, no, no, you don't. So here's, oh, so here's one thing when we were in the, let's take you behind the curtain. We're in the room. We're in uh, LA and then we're in New York. We're, we took us a few minutes to figure out the new conference set up for the Zoom, but we got it all figured out. 
and we're going through the list. And of course, it took longer than than the time we budgeted. And at some point, I had to leave the meeting. Like we're kind of near the end. We're in like the seventies, maybe. And like I'm like, you know what? You guys can. I trust you all. Yeah, I got to jump here. You guys, uh, just go for it. So then later, I don't remember. If it's I guess it was Devin maybe sent set up the list, or maybe it was Lauren at first, and they sent it out. And there's Dexter Jetster at number <laughs> ninety six. At number ninety six, they put Dexter Jetster below Phasma, who they were just dissing while I was in the room. Just like, oh, Phasma, God, what a waste, Phasma. And then they put Dexter Jetster at 96. I'm like, how could you do that? He's so good. I love that character so much. So I I, I thought about, do I like, you know, do I try and pull a power move here? Do I try and just, or do I just subtly change it and not tell anyone? They probably wouldn't notice. But I was like, no, no, it's a democracy. This is where they want to put him. But I I had a silent protest against your all's ranking of Dexter Jetster. I will say that you got backed up. The official Star Wars Twitter account replied to this list <laughs> yeah, and that's said, true. "Justice for Dex." So you are you are you are not alone in in your love for for the Jetster. I think it's funny that uh, the like one through ten and a hundred through ninety probably got the most discussion. <laughs> like you know, there was a lot of discussion on on ninety through a hundred. So yeah, Babu Babu Frick and Dexter Jetster were setting the internet. And, and I know Nick Romano was pissed that Wicket was at a hundred because he thought Wicket should be higher. So well, I'll say Dalton didn't even want Wicket on this list. I didn't. I just sort of liked the idea of making it a Gungan and Ewok free zone. Like I just sort of liked <laughs> like. Just philosophically, that felt right, but I, but I, but I understood. And then I just thought it was funny to, if we're going to have Wicked on the list, let's let's make Wicked at hundred. I think a hundred is perfect. And there were people who were pissed that it, he was at hundred. They thought he should be higher. <laughs> so you know, you can't satisfy everyone. Speaking of which, I can do one of two things. I can either make everybody angry, or I can make Lauren angry. Which do you want me to do first? <laughs> you wouldn't like me when I'm angry. I'll make Lauren angry. Another person I thought was a little too high. I'm yeah I love Rogue One but I got to say Galen Erso just doesn't do a lot for me. And like the character like I don't think it's a bad character but I don't think it's a very transcendent or dynamic character. And so Lauren just like I I I just felt like in the meeting she kept bringing him up like anecdotally here and He's there. one of the, the God, only she, good dads in Star Wars. Him and Bail Organa, that's all I we was- have. I was going to say Bail Organa would like a word. Yeah, I know, but I mean, come on. Those are the only two representatives of good dads that we have. Oh, uh, now we have Din Djarin. Oh, yeah, Excellent I guess that's dad. true. That's true, you know, so. <laughs> Number one space dad. We love mm-hmm. it. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I mean, it's it, not a big deal, but he didn't do a lot for me. Um, and then the one that, that'll make everybody mad is just, I, I'm not saying it's the wrong ranking. I just feel like. Oh, it's Padme. All right. Padme Amidala was at 26. And I actually think she's a, a, a really good character in The Phantom Menace, although I don't think anyone ever was fooled by her whole ruse with the, with the like, she's playing the handmaiden or like, she's not really the queen. But then like, I look at like, Attack of the Clones for me, this is just me, is two two different movies. I actually think the action story going on is pretty good. The love story is just a disaster. It's it's so painful. So, Agreed. so painful. <laughs> so painful. So if that's a total disaster, and then let's be honest, in Sith, she doesn't do a whole lot except worry about Anakin. 
And give birth to Luke and Leia. For and then some reason, she still died. A broken heart. I, yes, I. That's the one. <laughs> like, literally, the robots like she's dying of a broken heart. <laughs> like, like, did what? you go to medical school? Like what? <laughs> like what is the Coruscant medical school like? Like or or like did you? How did she, they like, not tra- know she was having twins before that? Come on! <laughs> it's a long time ago. Remember, they don't have this kind of. Oh yeah, uh, it was like thirty years advanced. before they could like re you know like reattach an entire uh, cybernetic hand. <laughs> yeah. Like, ah, pregnancy. We don't know what to do with that. Uh, I mean, they're no. literally recreating uh, Anakin at the same time, and they couldn't tell she was having twins. Come on. So all that considered makes you wonder, like, should she have been lower? Again, the character in two out of the three movies is either not good or not given a lot to do. Yeah, I, I'm kind of torn on on Padme. On one hand, I think, um, you know, I, I like Natalie Portman's performance in this. And, and I, I think she's, you know, she, you, you sort of see why Anakin would fall in love with her. My biggest issue with the prequels is that the fundamental plot doesn't make any sense. Why would Padme fall in love with like whiny emo Anakin Skywalker when hot bearded Obi-Wan Kenobi is right there? This is the question we've been asking for years. One is a boy, one is a man. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The entire fate of the galaxy would have been completely changed if Padme was like, you know what? This this boy and his monologues about sand, you know, I, I can't, I can't do it. But, but the one with the, beard the one who's like chivalrous and great like you know but the mullet anyway. mm-hmm. the mullet we love the mullet uh so let's but whatever that, so those are my ones i thought were a little the people that were ranked a little too high let's talk about the ones that we're probably even more passionate about which is personal favorites that were ranked too low on our top 100 list who are some characters that you think if it were just your list would have been higher or perhaps much higher Devin, who do you got uh, one, I don't even know if I would put him higher. I'm just delighted with where he is. But honestly, top 10 for me, we talked about this. And I know, Dalton, you are an ally for me. Um, our boy Kit Fisto. We love <laughs> Kit Fisto. I think I'm responsible for the downranking of Kit Fisto because I kept Why pushing him hater? down. Why are you such a hater? I there's just so many other interesting characters. I mean, and I like him. I like him in the animated thing, but I'm just like, no, he's too high. He's of course too high, you do. So of course you do. Yes. No, Dalton and I both agree. You know, he's got when he does his little smile. Um, <sighs> you know, that's the best part of Attack of the Clones is you know when Kit Fisto is is there. We we're just we're we're big fans of Kit Fisto. Also, yeah, I think that's I don't know. There's he was the one who who I thought like I would definitely bump him up. But then again, I always like all the weirdos. I'm always like put. Admiral Akbar in the top 10. You know, I'm the one who was like, we got to get Elon Sleaze Bagano on this list. That was Devin. Um, that was me. So I, I, you know, I love that we have Max Rebo on here. Um, you know, just like th- those are the ones that I really love is I love the weirdos. Yeah. Justice for Lobot too. Totally agree. Uh, I, you know, honestly, like the most excited I've ever been meeting or interviewing a Star Wars person was, was Mark Hamill. And it was, it actually exceeded expectations, which is crazy. It was so great. But I was almost just as excited to realize that I knew the dude who played Kit Fisto. When I found that out, <laughs> that this guy who works on Survivor that I'd spent all this time in like weird countries that I couldn't even find on a map played Kit Fisto, I geeked out on him so hard. It was like <laughs> literally I was so excited. Uh, all right, Lauren, who is, who is too low for your liking on our Star Wars Top 100 list? First, I have to talk about someone who is completely unranked, and that's Zeb oh, from Star Wars Rebels. So I tried to get Zeb into that list, but 
I, you know, I think he got knocked out by uh, like FN two one nine nine or something, somebody <laughs> like that. Or I, I think I was arguing against Big's Darklight or two at one point. Like I was like, no. Oh, so so look, real quickly, just mm-hmm. uh, because I, I want to make people aware as we came up with the list, we were, we did have that discussion. How many animated characters should be on the list? There should have Lawrence, been more. Lawrence, Lawrence watched every episode of every. I've watched most of them. I've watched most episodes of the show. I mean, I've watched um, I've watched all of Rebels. I've watched pretty much all of Clone Wars. I've watched Bad Batch. So, but yeah, there are a lot of people that don't haven't watched any of it. There are a lot of people that haven't watched any of the animated stuff. So we didn't want to make it all. So I think we tried to. I think we originally said ten to fifteen. I think we ended up closer to twenty. Yeah, animated characters. So we had a lot. Mm-hmm. No, I I knew we couldn't like just you know stick. I mean, my personal list has a lot more animated characters in, in the top fifty, but um, but Zeb was one I, I kind of really wish we had figured out a way to to move him in, and also like there's people like Agent Callus uh, from Star Wars Rebels and and Mother Talzin from uh, Clone Wars who I just think are kind of fascinating characters. But probably for the people who did make it on the list, uh, honestly, probably I, I would have moved Hera up into like the ten to twenties because I love her so much. And probably Kanan as well. I am glad we did get Chopper on the list because I I love that that cranky little droid. He is probably my favorite droid out of all of them. You know, I'm sorry to see three PO and R two, but that's the truth. So well, you could also apologize to the best droid ever in the Star Wars universe, which is K two S O. Oh, K two S O. Yes, I know. You know, I will say I did watch. I did. I was rewatching Rogue One because I I wrote the blurb for uh, Bays and Chirrut and sure. yeah, and so. I will say, like, you know, K2SO, he does deliver the one-liners pretty well. So, I, you know, and being sarcastic myself, I do appreciate sarcasm. But, you know, still Chopper. I, I just enjoy Chopper just being a chaos agent. I wanted to make a grand statement of K2SO being the top-ranked droid and everyone <laughs> shot me down. And R2-D2 ended up higher than K2SO. But that's fine. I get it. That wasn't a, a total, uh, you know, miscarriage of justice. However, you both know what I'm going to say. You both know where this is going when uh, we talk about Pio Tulo. And that is dipping into Lauren Morgan's uh, pool of <laughs> animated characters, which is Cad Bane. I love Cad Bane. I loved him when he was first introduced. Uh, I loved him when they brought him into live action, except when he, they killed him. Yeah, and I just think, you know, Christian came into our meeting and was really all about, Bo- he wanted Boba Fett number one. Yeah. Yeah. He wanted Boba Fett to be number one. And had and this been we all the, downranked him on that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it, had this been the year 1993, I would have agreed with him. And he was my favorite Star Wars character after those first three movies. But they've just, I'm not going to say they've ruined the character, but they've made him a lot less mysterious, which means a lot less cool. So to me, Cad Bane is kind of like the new Boba Fett. Like he's just super cool. He's got the gadgets. He's got the cool look out of a spaghetti Western. I'm just very into Cad Bane. And somehow you all... Dropped him all the way down to 47. I don't know how I allowed that. but Yeah, Cad Bane's one of the animated characters where I'm just like, eh, he's fine. So <laughs> I probably just put a dagger in Dalton's heart when I said that. But it's just terrible. I can't believe it. I know. I'm, I, I apologize for that. I wanted Holdo higher than 21. You all know that. Yeah, mm. you were the, we were all really, we all, I think we were all pretty much in, in general ag- agreement that The Last Jedi rules, um, which I know is a, mm-hmm. is a controversial opinion among some Star Wars fans, but for us, we have the correct opinion, which is that it rules. Um, and we all love, I mean, it's Laura Dern with purple hair in space. And saying pew, pew, pew. Yeah. 
She rules. No, I, I I think she's she's plenty high. I mean, she's almost top 20. We got her above Grogu. So, you know. Yeah. I know, which I, I mean, honestly, I should probably be arguing that Grogu should be higher. I love a character that you don't like at first and then sort of like Poe, you sort of come around and realize where she's coming from and not in a predictable, cheesy way, but kind of in an unexpected way. I really like that about Holdo. I also would argue that Palpatine should have been top 10. He's at number 11. He's close enough. I'm not going to make a big deal about it. But I still think Palpatine, because the job that Ian McDermott does in those prequels, I think is just amazing. He is the only one who who knows exactly what he's doing in that movie, and he never falters the entire time. Yeah, but again, he's another one where it's like, how much do you hold the rise of Skywalker against him? You know, yeah, that's and so where I think that that's I think that's that's, that's what, what me. I mean, he's, but that's he's not still Palpatine. That's not Palpatine. It's a clone. It's that's a, a clone. different character. That's a completely different character. Captain Rex is not Jango Fett, Devin. All right, it's a different <laughs> well, character. It, 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 he'll be elsewhere on the list, and it'll be Palpatine. Uh, parentheses clone. <laughs> I, yeah. I, by the way, I wish you guys could see this because the face Devin made when I said Palpatine should have been top 10, <laughs> it was like she bit into a lemon or something. It was just terrible. No, again, I love him in the prequels. I think he's, ha- um, uh, you know, when he's like, I love democracy. It's just like, it's it's incredible. Every, every, I, I am the Senate is like top 10 lines in the entire thing. Not from a Jedi. <laughs> the whole opera speech with Anakin yep, where yeah. he just literally just like twists that little boy up. <laughs> Have you, I'm just like, that's great. Do you guys know the story of Darth Plagueis? Because <laughs> I read the book, I do. <laughs> but that's another thing we talked about when we were making this list you know we talked about the extended universe and you know how what do we include there and and we we sort of decided to focus on anything that's you know been adapted either in the the live action film or tv shows or or in the animated so sorry mara jade that that was one that, yeah. that didn't. but we do have thrawn on this list mm-hmm. um so shout out to the the blue skinned boy thrawn <laughs> Yeah. The last thing I'll just say about the list is that there was one name that I never even brought up to you all because for two reasons. One, I figured it was going to be a battle and I, I wasn't going to get them on there. And two, we we have, at one point we had a lot of like Rebel Alliance pilots. We finally cut some out, but I did kind of want to get Porkins on the list. Like I just kind of <laughs> wanted Porkins. Like it's actually my favorite gift my daughter's ever given me. She found a Porkins action figure. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like to see this dude like trying to fit into the uh, the suit and he's just like, you know what's going to happen to him. And it's just like, I don't know. It would have been fun to have in there. Uh, but he didn't make it. Uh, all right. Well, look, that's see, we don't even if you didn't like our list, we don't even like things about our own list. All right. <laughs> we don't I even mean, agree with each other. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, it was a blast to put it together with you all. It was it was an absolute blast. All right. Look. We're going to bring you and McGregor in here in a minute, but uh, but a, a quick plea uh, to subscribe to the podcast. We're brand new. We'd love you to subscribe. Please tell your friends about the podcast. Uh, please rate, review the podcast. Uh, you can find the three of us all on social media. So please do that and say hello. Devin mentioned Mara Jade. I will tease that Darren Franich is going to join us next week to talk about some of those legacy characters that Star Wars left behind. And hopefully if the timing works out, we should hopefully have some of the stars of Obi-Wan Kenobi joining us as well. So we've got plenty of surprises coming up in the next few weeks. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss any of it. But enough of our yapping. Let's take a super quick break and then we're going to hear from Obi-Wan Kenobi himself, Ewan McGregor. We've seen the characters of, of Obi-Wan and Anakin face off in lightsaber duels uh, before. 
What about uh, you two as, as uh, people, though? Who would win in a duel of the fates between Ewan and Hayden? Hayden. Why? <laughs> he's uh, probably a better swordsman than I am, I think, that ultimately. He's um, fast and he's uh, younger than me. And he's, yeah, he's good. He's really good. Uh, Ewan, have you ever tried to use a Jedi mind trick on anyone in real life? Not really. I mean, I've been accused of doing it here and there by people who are um, trying to be funny, but I, no, I don't think so. I don't think so. So when you were like trying to get your kids to clean their, their room, you wouldn't kind of just do like a, a, even a motion with the fingers? They don't. <laughs> I do it with doors. I like to do that with um, automatic doors just for my own amusement. I always do a little, <laughs> I always do a little um, Jedi uh, move for the doors and occasionally I have occasionally been caught doing it you know like at the supermarket or something when I'm wheeling my trolley out and I do a little like it's just always for my own because it makes me laugh but um, occasionally I've been caught doing that and that's kind of embarrassing <laughs> but my kids are totally impervious to the whole Jedi mind trick they don't they don't care it doesn't work on them you and every time I go to an automatic door I do that every yeah. single time Difficult not to, isn't it? Yeah. It's fun. It's fun. If you get it right, if the timing is right, it feels very powerful, you know? What was it like uh, after over 15 years, uh, the first time you put the costume back on, uh, picked up the lightsaber again? Yeah, it was very special. It was very um, odd. It's odd to come back to something after such a long period of time. We made the last film in 2003, and um, I guess it was early last year. I went down to do some casting and, and, and they wanted to do screen tests with some young actors. And so I went down there and we were on the Mandalorian set. I think it was a weekend and they were not shooting. So we'd used a, a bit of their set and um, it was their, I think mainly the Mandalorian crew. But I walked out, you know, I went into my dressing room and there was some random Jedi stuff, not, not stuff that I'd worn in the other films, but just based on or some, some Jedi type clothing. And I put it on and it just felt very, it felt very, it felt great. It felt important and it felt uh, special and um, I was happy, but it wasn't really till I walked out onto the stage and, um, you know, someone said, okay, ready. And I've got my line, you know, I'm, I, obviously I've got my role, but the other, the young actors I'm reading with maybe don't have their role. So I'm, I've got my page. I'm just making sure I know my lines because I don't want to screw up my lines for their screen test, their camera test. And I was walking out and I sort of looked up and I, I was aware suddenly of the crew, you know, who are the Mandalorian crew, but looking at me coming in in, in Obi-Wan's costume and um, I could feel, I could feel the, like the little, that sort of excitement running through. It was exciting. It was cool. Speaking of, of exciting, what was it like when you first saw Hayden back in the Darth Vader suit? Well, it was sort of spine tingling. It was, um, it was amazing to see Hayden back in the role of Anakin, but it was just amazing to see Hayden full stop. I mean, I'm so close with him. We've stayed in touch over the years, but we haven't seen each other for a long time. And as it got closer and closer to the shoot, and um, once Hayden was on board, he was in LA and we met. We, it was during the lockdown and we met in Santa Monica in a park and we both walked along with our masks on outdoors and we had this long catch up. It was so lovely. Like it, it just been years since we actually saw each other, not for any reason other than just, you know, the just locations. And I was here and he was in Canada and 
But I love him so much. And we have this very special bond of making two of the, those first three films together. And um, yeah, it was an important part. It was in, so important for both of us, for our careers and for who we are. And um, so we had just so much to catch up on life stuff and where we're at. And, and it was so lovely to see him again. And then to be on set with him again was it was, it was just odd. It was oddly, it was like time hadn't happened or something. I really, I, I looked across at him and there's cam, you know, there's, we're on a set and I look over at him. He's Anakin now. I'm Obi-Wan now. And it's like nothing had happened. Like I didn't see any age on his face. I didn't, I just felt like the period of time between episode three and now just hadn't, didn't exist or something. It was so peculiar. Big time jump. Uh, so how, how is Obi-Wan different now in this? It's basically a halfway point between Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope. This is the gap. This is the gap era that we don't know a whole lot about. So when we find him in the middle of that gap, how is he different? Well, he's different because of what's happened at, at the end of episode three with the Jedi, with Order 66 and the Jedi Order being slaughtered and everyone who survived going into hiding after dealing with his personal failure with Anakin, that he feels that he, the responsibility that, that he allowed Anakin to be tempted into, over to the dark side and that he, he wasn't able to stop that and that his teaching wasn't strong enough to be able to protect Anakin from that, that I think weighs obviously very heavily on him. So we find Obi-Wan at the beginning of our story uh, rather broken and faithless and uh, beaten, somewhat given up. Let's talk about the hair. Uh, Obi-Wan has had some very interesting hairstyles throughout the films. I'd love for you to sort of take me through each hairstyle, uh, sort of describe it for me, and then give your take on, on each of the haircuts for the first movies. Let's start with episode one, The Phantom Menace. Yeah, I just, I remember the, the, the idea of it being shot. I don't know where that came from, whether it was already established that Padawan, that was a Padawan haircut. I, I, don't, I don't know. I think they were looking for... Some something that was, um, I think they were looking for something like in in the world in a military sense or in a, in the in the world of monks, you know that that there's a there's a there's some sort of um, hairstyle sacrifice in order to be a Jedi. You, I, I mean, I guess you know to become a Jedi, you have to give up um, the idea of being married, or you know, you're you're there's some sort of monk like qualities that are similar. And I think the hairstyle is one, uh, you know, in many religious orders, the hair, the head has to be shaved or, and um, so they, that's what they did. I'm actually sporting sort of quite similar now. If I had a little braid here, I'd be almost back to where we were, back to square one. So it was a short haircut. It was, wasn't as short as this, but it was pretty short. And we had a braid that was stuck into my hair every day. And um yeah, it felt good not to have. I like having really short hair. I don't often have a chance because when I'm working, I, you tend to. Have, but I've, I'm just started a period of no work for a while, so I've shaved my head off and my hair off. But I, I liked it. I liked the look of it. What I didn't like very much in episode one was when we came back. To, we, there was always like a period of time after the main shoot where we came back to do some reshoots, and for episode one, it was months, six, seven, eight months after the principal photography, we had to come back and we, I was doing something else and I couldn't, I couldn't cut my hair. And also I was clean shaven and I couldn't grow a beard because I was working on another project. 
And um, so they made a wig that was a short hair wig, which is the worst kind of wig. You know, if you've got a wig and it's long hair, you can disguise the fact that it's a wig. But when it's a short hair wig, it's a nightmare. And um, and then they stuck a beard on. And I've seen I've seen some clips of both episode one and the reshoots from episode two where you're like, are you kidding me? Like, are you kidding that? And then for episode one, they... Not only did I have to wear it for the reshoots, and hopefully it's just a, usually just a little shot here or there for reshoots, and most people don't really notice it, but I do, but most people don't. Some bright spark decided to put me on a poster in the wig. Like, they picked an image of me from the reshoots, and I saw myself on this huge poster in the wig, and I'm like, are you kidding? You can't. You couldn't find a still of me when, from the real shoot? Unbelie- unbelievable. I don't know who that was. But I'd love to meet them one day and just say, are you fucking kidding me about that? Anyway, <laughs> was was that your little ponytail or was that clipped on too? You had a little ponytail in the back too. I forgot about that. Yeah, I guess that was glued in too, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was watching the movies. It's so, I mean, the, those reshoot scenes just stick out with the wig. It's like, it's like, it's a different color. It's like a different, yeah. I mean, they did the best they could, I guess, at the time, but it was, but just, it's difficult to to hide longer hair under a wig. It's pretty much impossible. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Let's talk about episode two. Uh, Describe to me the hair, the hairstyle uh, in Attack of the Clones and uh, and your take on it. (laughs) The hairstyle in two was, I don't know, we called it the sort of Jedi mullet, you know? It could be in some second degree way a little cool but not really it was it it was it was very mullety and um sort of quite inspired pretty much by the Bee Gees I think really <laughs> Jedi Bee Gees so um yeah it wasn't my I didn't like it very much um but there is some sort of I guess there's some sort of progression uh, Hayden had to go through a similar sort of progression with his hair where it's shorter when you're a Padawan, then longer at the back. And then ultimately in episode three, we get onto a haircut, which is more, um, which is, which is heading more towards Alec Guinness in um, episode four, you know? So, so let's, uh, yeah, let's, uh, now we've talked about attack of the mullet. Let's go to episode three, uh, revenge, revenge of the Sith. Uh, Describe to me this hairstyle and your take on this one. Well, this one was was definitely we were looking at pictures of Alec Guinness in episode four, and we were definitely trying to bridge that gap. You know, we knew this was the last or at that point we thought this is the last we're going to see of Obi-Wan Kenobi before before he's Alec Guinness. And so we're sort of moving in that direction. We put some graying in. I, don't, we, I wouldn't need to today, but we put some graying in here. We we grayed up the beard a little bit, I think. Um. And it was more, it was a short, much shorter haircut. It was also to show a bit more age that he was, I think, I think the episode two haircut was meant to be like warrior and the episode three haircut was meant to be more master, you know, uh, teacher. So my idea was definitely to try and get closer to Alec Guinness was to try and show that that's where I was headed. Yeah, I like the hair in this one. It's like you're flipping the script where in episode two, it's short in the front and long in the back. In episode three, it's longer in the front and shorter in the back. Oh, right. Yeah, I don't really remember. I remember it just being sort of a standardy, shorter haircut. Yeah. Yeah. So let's finish up now with the Obi-Wan Kenobi, the TV show. Yeah, it's a longer haircut. I think it's a man who's been sort of not looking after himself so much. And uh, 
I wanted a much more sort of unkempt look, like, you know, where Obi-Wan starts at the beginning of that story is pretty, he's pretty hopeless. He's, he's without hope, he's without faith. And he's, he's um, yeah, I wanted this sort of hair and beard to sort of represent that. So it's much more, less groomed and, yeah, longer. It's funny, man, because like I said, I'm your age. And I, I remember when I saw Star Wars as a little kid, and I'm sure you had the same reaction. It was like, I thought Obi-Wan was like so old, you know, but Alec Guinness was actually only 63 and you and I are yeah. 50 now. And I'm like, I think you and I look relatively young, but we're not that far <laughs> off of 63. <laughs> you know? I know he was the old man. Well, he was probably playing a little older too. He was like playing the wise sage, you know, yeah. the wise man. So he was probably playing a little older than he was. I really appreciate the time. I can't wait to see see the show, man. I, I'm just so jacked for it, and I'm excited to see you back in the robes and everything. Thank Bye. you so much. Nice to talk to you today. You too, Ewan. Have a good one, Take man. Take care, mate. Thank you to Ewan McGregor for sitting down with us and talking all things Obi-Wan Kenobi. And stay tuned because we will have a lot more Obi-Wan coverage in the weeks to come. And that's it for this episode of Dagobah Dispatch. If you liked what you heard, subscribe, rate the podcast, and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. To keep the conversation going, follow Entertainment Weekly on all socials, at EW on Twitter, and at Entertainment Weekly everywhere else. You can also tag us at, at Dalton Ross, at Devin Kogan, and at Morg Lar. This episode of Dagobah Dispatch is hosted by Dalton Ross, Devin Kogan, and Lauren Morgan. Produced by Chanel Johnson and Sammy Junio. Edited by Sammy Junio. Full episode transcripts are available at EW.com. Thanks for listening.